Why won't you die? Beneath this mask, there is more than flesh. Beneath this mask, there is an idea, Mr. Creedy. And ideas are bulletproof. Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is the FOMO Show. Cryptocurrency for the rest of us. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And this is a podcast where you'll hear about cryptocurrency in plain English. We'll help you stay across the crypto world so you don't get the fear of missing out. You can find us at FOMO.show. And um, yeah, you can uh, check out our site there for all the updates we've got. Oh, this isn't episode 10. This is episode 11. Yeah, man. Big one, one. That's right. Keen, keen. So today's going to be a news-heavy episode. We're just going to be talking about the last couple of weeks of news um, and the little interesting bits around that. And we're just going to be having a chat about what we think is awesome in this episode. And uh, next episode, we're going to get back into some big, meaty topics of coin features and and things like that. Joe, is this investment advice? No, it's... This is not investment advice because, I mean, new cryptocurrencies are popping up every day and it's it's hard to tell which ones are legit and which ones aren't. And we're not saying you should buy anything at all. I mean, for full disclosure, we're personally invested in different cryptocurrencies. Some of them we talk about on the show. But if we're talking about something, it doesn't mean you should buy it. I mean, as we're going to discuss with BitConnect today, I mean, some people were, you know, promoting these sort of coins, but like just don't buy something if somebody else is interested in them because the last thing you want to do is get hurt and for that to be on someone else's advice. So make sure you do your research, never invest more than you can afford to lose and avoid the fear of missing out. If you've never bought crypto before, you should check out our guide at FOMO.show slash 101. It's got everything you need to know to buy a store and send your first Bitcoin. If you've got a question about anything you've heard, drop us a tweet email or join our slack message board at fomo.show slash slack yeah so that slack messaging board is really cool it's a way that you can you know drop questions to us speak to some of the other people who are in there share your news articles and you know often we'll be talking about the things that people have been um, popping into our slack over the week so um yeah do feel free to join us you'd be very welcome there if you want to know a little bit more about crypto, you can check out our Blockchain Basics series. You've got to go back through our podcast to get to it. It starts in episode two. We normally run the segment near the end of the episode, and it continues until around about episode eight. What it'll do is it'll give you some grounding in the fundamentals and help you understand what on earth we're talking about. That's not the end of our Blockchain Basics series. We are going to do another series soon, and we're going to start off with staking. So Luke, one of our listeners, asked us in Slack if we could cover staking sometime. And when we say staking, we mean opening your wallet to the network on the system called proof of stake. And what this means is that you can generally generate a certain amount of interest per week or per month or even per day with some of the higher interest coins just from securing the network with your wallet open and having a computer on all the time. So we really like proof-of-stake coins, and it's something that we're going to cover very soon in our Blockchain Basics series. All right, let's jump into some of the news. So, I mean, it was when was it? Was it shortly after Christmas, or was it in the, the crash the other week where BitConnect just totally fell? <laughs> yeah, mate, This I, I had really mixed feelings about this one because part of me was really happy to see BitConnect itself go down because mm. it's a Ponzi scheme and they've been scamming people for a long time now and uh, a lot of people thought they were getting into crypto when they were getting into BitConnect when really they were just sending their money to people and mm. get really getting nothing in return and mm. it was quite obvious to anyone who's seen these schemes work before that they were going to take all the money at some point and run away. You know, the moment the heat got too hot, they were going to get out of Dodge. And that's what's happened. And like I said, it was quite pleasing to see that, you know, that their scam has finally run its course. But at the same time, just some of the posts, man, from all these people who'd lost a lot of money on this were quite heartbreaking. Mm. Yeah, that was just sad. It's sad to see because there were a lot of, 
a lot of YouTubers were really promoting this. You had that Crypto Nathan, who is this, he's a 17-year-old um, crypto millionaire, supposedly. And, um, you know, you've got Trayvon James um, and, and, a, and, a, and a bunch of other big YouTubers who were sort of just just promoting BitConnect um, and they were getting their own kickbacks um, by being part mm. of this BitConnect program. So, you know, they were making a huge amount of money on it. And, you know, they've probably lost money along alongside everyone else. But, I mean, there are some really upset people. And there's a, there's a class action lawsuit that's been filed against some of the prominent BitConnect promoters. So... Yikes. Yeah, and look, I'm I'm not big on using the state as a tool to come after other people, but I think this is one of those th- things where you can actually say, well, that's kind of what they deserve. You know, these guys are scum. Mm. These guys that are promoting it, they've they've used their audience and they've made a lot of money from their audience, and they they would have known that this product was nothing more than a pyramid, mm. and they've still given it to their listeners. Um, you know, it's unacceptable, mate. And so- I think. Just, just, just to backtrack a little bit. What, what is um, BitConnect? Essentially, what BitConnect was was a Ponzi scheme where the creators created a whole bunch of tokens, mm-hmm. and they were called BitConnect. To buy into this system, you had to pay Bitcoin, so you had to give them Bitcoin. Right. What they would do is they would then give you these BitConnect tokens in return for your Bitcoin, mm. and then what they would say is, okay, now you're in our ecosystem you now have the option to take out what's called like an interest. I can't remember what they called it, but essentially it was like an interest loan. It was like you loan those coins back to the creators Hmm. and you specify the amount of time you want to loan them back for. So you say, I want to loan them back for two months or I want to loan them back for four months or six months or eight months. And at the end of that time, the BitConnect ecosystem would give you back those BitConnect tokens plus an additional amount of BitConnect tokens on top of that as interest. Right. So you'd essentially be earning interest on these BitConnect tokens. The problem with that was was that there was a minting rate higher than any of these interest rates built into the system mm. where the, so the creators would get new BitConnect tokens at a higher rate than they'd be paying interest out to everyone else. Uh. Now... So okay, so that was that was the first part of the system. Not really a pyramid there. It was more just pe- the creators fleecing everyone for for their money and essentially saying you'll earn interest on it. But you know they were earning more. They'd built more into the algorithm behind the scenes. So a bit of a crooked system, but not that bad in the grand scheme of things. But what then happened was that you were offered more BitConnect the more people you could bring into this scheme. So you would be rewarded for every new person you brought in and you'd be rewarded based on the amount of money they would spend, so the amount of Bitcoin mm. they would spend and exchange for BitConnect. And so like any classic Ponzi scheme, there was layers and layers and layers and the people mm. up to the top brought in people below. And so then all these people were getting in and, yeah, like these YouTube celebrities, you know, they were right near the top. They had all their subscribers below them and they were getting a whole bunch more kickbacks from the BitConnect system. And then it system. was if their subscribers but, had got more people on as well, then the YouTubers would have got a lot of downstream sort of referrals. That's right. Oh. Yeah, and that's how pyramid scheme works. You know, it's 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 essentially yeah, it's a it's a Ponzi scheme. But of course, what happens with most Ponzi schemes is that the people at the top, once they hit a certain point, they cash out, you know. They say, "Well, we've made our money now. Now we can move on." And it's everyone else that's left without a chair when the music stops. And the problem is, is that people paid in with Bitcoin, but they never got Bitcoin in return. Mm. And it was very hard for you to cash out from the BitConnect ecosystem. It was kind of closed off from everywhere else. Right, right, right. And they did a lot of shady things, like they'd have, um, like, passive income counters and all sorts of different things to try and you know, make people feel like they were just generating all this passive income. But really, it was just these useless BitConnect tokens. And the moment everything fell down, the token value crashed. And, you know, everyone was left holding these tokens that essentially were worth nothing. And they'd given all their Bitcoin over to the creators and the creators had had ran off with it. So, that's the BitConnect, the BitConnect story, mate. Yeah. 
Yikes. Well, there are undoubtedly some real upset people at the end of that. Like, yeah. Yikes. Basically, if it if it looks like a pyramid scheme or if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. And it's, just need to steer clear of it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, if it's promising you some type of return, be very cautious. I mean, mm. yikes. Right, next piece of news. Um, so, uh, Maersk and IBM. So, Maersk is this massive global shipping company. You've probably seen their logo on the side of some of those big boats or shipping containers. So, Maersk and IBM are um, creating an unnamed blockchain company to make the uh, shipping industry um, more efficient. So, um, we're here at the Famous Show. We're calling it Boaty McBoatchain. Um <laughs> but it's a really, really interesting idea. Now, there's more information on the IBM site, and you can find the link in the show notes. But essentially, um, they uh, like there are a bunch of different really good videos on their YouTube channel showing it. But they were saying, you know, on a typical route um, that a ship has to go to, go to um, that's taking shipping containers somewhere, you've got more than 200 pieces of paperwork that need to be signed by various port authorities or governments or customs and tax and you know the people who run the sh- the um like the, the the canals for example um and you've got to pay fees and you've got to sign things off and there are so many layers of approval that it can take weeks and weeks and there can be real holdups with it so what ibm and Maersk are doing um is they're joining um is they're, they're basically trying to use the blockchain to help make uh, global trade more efficient so by having your journeys on the uh, as part of a big smart contract so that all those 200 people you know have a have a stake that have a stake in the um, process they can get through the 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 approvals process they can just tick things off and it can make things a whole lot more efficient and they reckon um, that they'd actually be at a boost global trade by <coughs> nearly 15 percent Wow. which is a huge claim it's a huge claim, but mate, it makes sense. Like, I remember one of the first times I was really trying to explain smart contracts on the blockchain to someone. One of the examples I used was like a supply business, you know, someone that supplies different things to building sites, for example, and just like the logistics that even just that small level of transaction goes through, you know, the different bits of paperwork and things people need to sign. And how you can cut a lot of that out with uh, having a, a distributed ledger that's accessible to all the systems and, you know, people having everything in one place and not dispersed through a whole bunch of different systems mm-hmm. and smart contracts that reacted to when when different external events were fed in. And, yeah, this is just it on a way bigger scale, you know, mm-hmm. like – and it, it it really could shake things up more than I think they even realise because the moment automated ships start mm. making a real appearance on the scene, yeah. I mean, imagine just plugging a ship into a smart contract. Yikes! And if it's contro- it goes, controlled yeah. by an AI and it just off it goes, it just loads everything up itself, checks itself into port, collects the fees it needs to collect, sends the paperwork, the digital paperwork it needs to send in the smart contract. You know, like it's just. Mm. Yeah, the everything could be sped up so much. Mm-hmm. So, it, like, it's. I mean, it, apparently they've started collaborating in you know, June 2016. So they've they've been doing it for over a year now, um, and they've had a bunch of different parties who are piloting the program. So you've got Dupont, Dow Chemical, uh, Tetra Pak, which is a massive packaging company. Um, you've got uh, a number of different Netherlands-based uh, ports and customs administrations. Uh, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection have been part one of the parties trialing it. So these are huge places as far as global shipping is concerned. So there's going to be a huge amount of uh, interest. There. You know, there's even um, the Singapore Customs and Peruvian Customs. They've been looking mm. into it as well. And, um, and, yeah, there's even some interest in China as well. So... It looks like this might be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's going to be an easy sell to people too. The one thing people do not like is paperwork. Oh boy. Mate, Amazon, um, they opened up their grocery store more recently. What, what was going on with that? Yeah, this is really, really cool. Um, 
this is another one of those ones where we could be seeing the beginning of a very, very rapid change. So Amazon is opening a cashier-free store, which will allow customers who install the Amazon Go app to simply pick up an item and walk out with it. So they're going to put it in Seattle, and it's going to be known as Amazon Go. And it, it's essentially going to rely on cameras and sensors to track what shoppers remove from the shelves and what they put uh, what they put back. So mm-hmm. if it works, mate, this this may take off very quick because imagine if you can just walk into a store, pick up what you wanted, and walk out. Wow. I mean, that used to be called shoplifting. <laughs> now it's called Amazon Go. You know, <laughs> right? That's great. Uh. Yeah, that is a brilliant idea. I'd love to find out what kind of tech they're using. And it's amazing that it's sort of a um, like a, a, a digital company. I, I love that they start with the internet and then sort of move into physical stores. Like you had the Amazon bookstore that they had, and I think they bought yep. an old Barnes & Noble store or something like that, some kind of kick in the teeth. Um, yep. And then sort of set up their, their bookstore in there a couple of years ago. But, um, yeah, it's amazing to see how they're – how they're applying tech to physical shops. Yeah, and it's just showing the shift, isn't it? The shift from, like, because there's been all these innovations in tech, but eventually they do permeate the real world. And if you're not on top of it, it, it you're going to get the tech guys moving in and making you irrelevant. Mm. And that's what's, that's what's really happening here with this Amazon Go. Like, if I think, give it five years, and if supermarkets aren't, haven't adopted this system and they're not letting you just walk in and walk out, I think they might struggle because it's going to be so much more convenient if you can just essentially walk in, grab your stuff and then just wander out again, not have to pay for anything, but just have it automatically deduct from the app. Mm. And look, you could take it one step further, you know, you could have your preferred items and you just let your click your Amazon go app and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be coming in five minutes and... I think because it was really interesting. I was in a pharmacy a couple of weeks ago and they had this like pneumatic robotic system where whenever the pharmacist requested a a prescription or some some kind of pharmaceutical in a box, Mm. you click the button and then you'd hear this like pop like in about 10 seconds from further back and then this kind of like sucking noise and all of a sudden this other pop and then it had come down this thing from the roof Oh. And it had like it had like bumped straight in in this little tray right next to right next to where you're sitting. Wow! And you just pick it out. And I said, and this is happening uh, just before I went overseas, and because I, I was just scared of getting sick, which which actually happened. And, <laughs> um, and I said, "Have you got someone in the back there feeding these things through pneumatic tubes? Do you?" And she said, "No, no, it's it's completely robotic now. I just request it, and." They the like there's a robotic arm back there that just pulls it off its shelf and puts it in the tube and off it goes. Wow. You could you could see the same thing happening with these supermarkets. So like this is just the beginning of the automation mm. the shopping automation trend. Mm. And it's, it won't just be groceries, like it'll be everything. Mm. Yeah. And Walmart are not gonna take this sitting down though. No. No, they're not. Because Amazon have had their Amazon Fresh service for, it's been a few years now where they're doing, delivering groceries in the US, but it just seems like the logical extension there. The fact that Amazon, like they'll design the homepage, they'll put products in a certain place, you know, they'll put the most popular products first and things like that. Now, like other retailers, certainly they pay people to do marketing and arranging things where people are more likely to see them but it seems like amazon has such a massive data set to work with from years of people shopping for their groceries online they're going to be able to lay out a store very efficiently yeah be very interested to see how that works well the other thing is too i I don't think you're going to need anywhere near as much shelf space because you think about it like once you get the system sorted you could very easily only have a few items of anything on the shelf and have it have a lot of it just working you know robotically behind the scenes mm-hmm. to to bring the new items in whenever you want because if they're going uh, cashier free the next logical step is going to be attendant free and store pack mm-hmm. and and, and uh, shelf packer free mm-hmm. and when you take someone like Amazon and you say you you toss up paying someone for a whole year to stock shelves 
or perhaps paying seven people for a whole year to stock shelves or to run a new set of, you know, robotics or something through your store mm. to grab the items from the back of the store and bring them to the front, I think they're going to take that option. Mm. And so I think you could I think I think you're going to very quickly see automated stores pop up in their entirety without any attendance. That's fantastic. I'm really excited to see what happens with that. It's cool, man. It's really cool and it's it's going to I think it's going to touch a lot more than we think it. Mm. You could see petrol now. stations for things like petrol stations this would be so easy. Um you know cuz you you could get rid of the you, that whole thing could just be automated very easily small revenue generating petrol stations. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Same deal. As long as we don't have to implant anything in our skin <laughs> or wear something that tracks us, <laughs> I'm completely happy. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, mate. Sweet bit of news that came out the other day. Um, Robinhood um, have added, uh, are adding zero-fee cryptocurrency trading um, beginning next month um, to their platform. Now, Robinhood is name. super exciting. I've been following them for three, four years now. Um, I've been on the waiting list for at least three years, um, and I still haven't joined, which is annoying. But um, basically, they are using uh, – it's a company that's backed by Google and a number of big venture capital firms, and they are creating they, – they already offer zero-fee um, stock trading, um, mainly to U.S. people at the moment. It's opening up to Australia as the second country they're coming to, uh, and they'll Ooh. be expanding out after that. Now, they've been working with regulations for a long time, so there's a huge amount that is required for them to get into the market. Um, but if you're in the U.S., you can trade stocks and shares with zero fees on the Robinhood platform. And zero fees means just that. You buy something, it goes up a bit, you sell it that afternoon, you make all of that money in profit. And it's a fantastic concept. And how do they do that? They do that by using the technology. I mean, they're using tech to basically reduce the fees to zero. Uh, and they make money from um, marg- uh, sort of uh, margin trading, so giving people basically loans that they want to be able to trade on. Um and they also make money from all of the cash that you put into your trading account. They'll make interest on that. So right. the collective, the collective money from kind of like our banks. Banks make money. Yeah. On. Right. Yeah. So it's really fascinating, and by they undercut everybody else on the market, whether it's E Trade, Scott Trade, whatever the company might be that you'd be trading through. They've got zero fees, and you just can't beat that as far as practicality. Right. Now they're, you know, I, I'm using the word disruption. They they're disrupting the financial industry. They've got at least three million users in the U.S. so far, and this is going to be huge. They're going to add zero fee cryptocurrency trading. So that's just going to it's just more things that are opening up the market to new people who haven't been haven't considered buying cryptocurrency before. Well, everyone's going to have to shift too, aren't they? I mean, Coinbase, the crypto. I think the thing about the crypto market is. People are very; uh, they're already keyed into all this disruption, and then and they're not loyal. You know, they're not mm. they're not just going to stay with Coinbase because they've been going with Coinbase before. These are crypto savages. You know, like mm. everyone who's into crypto are people that uh, are, you know going against the grain, doing something different to the system. Mm. And if someone comes up with a zero fee solution, I mean, mate, I if this comes to Australia and I can bring my fiat in. I'm never using Coinbase again. Oh, 100%. Because <laughs> why, why pay 4% when you can pay 0%? Exactly. When there's no difference in the service, like if you're still getting the the same cryptocurrency at the end of it. Mm. Um, yeah. that's. So it, I think it will force everyone else to adjust as well. And mm. I really like how they do it with the technology. You know, they've, mm. they've, they've said, well, we're going to make it possible to have zero fees using the technology and if we're going to make money from the risky trading, mm. essentially. Mm. If people want to take risks, well, then we'll kind of, I guess it's kind of like a casino, isn't it? Yeah, They'd, yeah. Yeah, for that part of it. And they say, well, we'll make money from that and, and keep fees to pretty much zero for mm. everyone else. 
So according to the news release, they said um, starting today, you can add 16 cryptocurrencies below to your watch list. Um, you can monitor the market, monitor the market data, read <coughs> cryptocurrency news, and create custom price alerts. So these 16 include Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, Litecoin, Ripple, um, Zcash, Monero, um, Omis Go, um, Lisk, Dogecoin. So there are a bunch in this list, and... They're saying next month, uh, so February, round-the-clock commission-free cryptocurrency trading will begin. It will be limited to Bitcoin and Ethereum at first, with more coins tradable later. So the coins that they add to that platform are coins that I'm going to be watching because ultimately, the easier it is to get into those cryptocurrencies, the more investable they are because more people will be getting into them. So awesome. I'd, I'd just be looking at the ones that they start adding to the platform and I'd very much consider having some of those myself. Yeah, and there's some great ones in there. Mm. Dash, Neo, Stella, mm. Zcash. That's exciting. Awesome. Monero, cool. So yeah, um, you can sign up at Robinhood.com. Uh, you can sign up for the crypto wa- uh, wait list at crypto.robinhood.com and I think they're about over half a million people in the queue so far so <laughs> even if you're in the us you're going to be waiting a while but it's going to be real exciting awesome mate it is a lovely and toasty hot day in brisbane today you mean crypto city oh mate well you funny you say that the brisbane airport um are going to be accepting uh, cryptocurrencies at the airport terminal. So that is a world first for airports. And hopefully it'd be really cool to get in touch with some of these people to have a a chat with them about it. But um, yeah, yeah, according to their news release, which was um, just a couple of days ago, it said when travelers arrive or depart at uh, Brisbane Airport, they'll soon experience an unprecedented digital currency airport experience. So in partnership with a company called Travel by Bit, which basically um, is trying to get cryptocurrency into the travel sector um they're going to bring um blockchain enabled payments to its terminal shopping so you'll be able to pay in uh dash uh, bitcoin ethereum and a bunch of other cryptocurrencies and um, to sh- shop at a bunch of the stores in the airports yeah man and this this uh this ceo of travel by bit he's he's really switched on too he said we are building a genuine use case for cryptocurrencies in the tourism industry. The application of digital currencies in this sector makes a lot of sense. Whenever you travel overseas, you have to deal with multiple currencies and you never know what exchange rates the banks are charging you. Um, mm. Mate, I can I can attest to this personally. We've just come through the US and we're now up in Canada and oh, just getting cash out at different places. I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a bank card that doesn't charge me fees. So I've been getting away with paying with my card quite a bit, but mm-hmm. it still makes it really difficult when you're, you're changing countries and some places say, Oh, we only accept cash. And you're like, well, crap, like mm-hmm. I don't have any cash. I've got my card. And then you go to an ATM in, in the U S uh, the cheapest ATM I found wanted to charge me five us dollars to get money oh. out as a fee. Oh, legitimately, we, we we searched and searched for an ATM that was cheaper, could not find one. Wow. $5 ATM fee and nowhere to cash out. Wow. So he's very, he's very right in the fact that you can really get stitched up hmm. depending on where you are uh, by having to transfer back into someone else's currency. Whereas if you can pay in crypto, that makes it completely different and... A lot of people have, you know, made some serious gains in crypto as well and, and they travel and this mm. just makes it a lot easier for those people to travel using their crypto. Mate, that is really exciting and it's, it's really interesting. Like, I mean, of all the cities in the world, the one that both of us call home, accepting cryptocurrency in that airport, like it's, it's really big. So we're going to try and try and find out a bit more about that company travel by bit, see if we can get in touch with them. But um really really fascinating stuff so we'll be we'll be keeping you up to date on how australia which has got a really good environment as far as um cryptocurrency is concerned we're going to be keeping you up to date on that because it's it's a real sign of where some other places might be going soon mate that's really cool by the way like i when i saw it when i read the article i was like wow like we may actually you know brisbane may actually be really big for crypto in the future Cool little piece of news about um, from Tesla. So it's not cryptocurrency related, but 
Basically, under a new all-or-nothing pay package, Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, will remain at Tesla for the next decade and see his pay tied to really high growth targets. So basically, in the proposal, it requires that Tesla grow in $50 billion leaps to a, up to a staggering $650 billion market cap, according to news.com.au. Um, and right now, the car maker is worth less than $60 billion. Um, but if all of these goals are achieved, Elon Musk's worth, his stock options would be worth up to $55 billion, uh, and he would own 28% of Tesla, which would be worth $182 billion by then. Wow. So he may well be one of the wealthiest people in the world 10 years from now. I think he's seen this, uh, this move to automation, and he's realized that Tesla is probably the best position out of nearly any company to capitalize on it because everything's going to run on electric motors. Mm, mm. All of these automated cars are going to run on electric motors and they've been doing that for longer than anyone. Mm. And if they can really capitalize on that and really push into that market, Mm. uh, I think Tesla could be huge. Oh, boy, yeah. And if anyone's kept up with the um, the mega – it's called the – uh, Gigafactory, that's what it's called. Uh, lots of lots of different ones. If you haven't seen it already, check out the Tesla Gigafactory. So it is going to be, it is one of the largest buildings on the planet and it still hasn't been finished building yet. Um, it's enough, it's got enough space to fit tens of Boeing 747s in it. Um, it's this massive factory that's being designed. It's been designed like a microchip. It's literally, it's been designed with so much efficiency, designed for automation and automating the, the production of batteries and cars and solar panels, I believe. Um, but it's, it's just going to be huge that they're designing this factory to be so efficient in the same sort of way that Amazon, as we mentioned, is looking at designing shops that's what Tesla are doing for factories. They're actually making a fa- a robot. The factory is one giant robot, basically. And it's huge. So it's really worth checking out. Really interesting stuff there. And there are more gigafactories that are going to be announced this year, I believe, Elon Musk said. he was. So we may well see a Tesla gigafactory appear in China. Um, def- certainly in Asia, there are going to be a few of those. But if we get a few more of those factories built, Electric cars will suddenly be at a drop in price due to the increased supply. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Oh, mate, did you see the news about this hack? Oh, brutal. Who was it again? It was the um, Tokyo. Who was it again? It was a Tokyo-based exchange called CoinCheck. I've never heard of them, but they must be quite big in Japan. Right. But apparently, over 500 million worth of NEM tokens were taken they were stored in a low security hot wallet and they weren't using multi-sig and someone has hacked the exchange and it actually represents more loss value than Mt. Gox, mm. which was the previously the largest hack ever in history and it kind of set the crypto market back probably a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, while the crypto market has definitely grown a lot since um, Mt. Gox, so it's not as big a volume compared to back then, it's still huge. Like, that's a huge $500 million taken. And then there's, it, it's saying that they're looking into compensating their customers, its executives apparently announced. But what? How do you compensate people for half a billion dollars? Yeah, I know. Unless their insurance covers it. But <sighs> I think the issue, the issue they're going to have is they weren't registered with Japan's financial services agency. So... <laughs> I think the moment an insurer looks at that, they're going to say, well, you weren't following the rules. Yes. Um, look, the big test is going to be, I think, in this one is we're going to really see now how we keep saying J- Japan's government is so enlightened compared to everyone else as far as crypto goes. And we've got a friend who's traveled over there recently and he said he saw Bitcoin signs everywhere and it seemed to be very crypto friendly. Mm. But we're now going to see that put to the test because as you know, when things go wrong mm. with this kind of stuff, the natural reaction for governments is to come down really hard and change laws. Mm. You know, people are always screaming out to to change things or, oh, something should be done, you know, it's always something should be done. <laughs> um, and we're going to now see whether things change. Look, it may be that because they were operating unregulated, 
that may be the only thing that people really take out of that. But mm. but I, but look, this was more of a security issue at the end of the day, I think, than a than it, than anything else, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's it really just goes to show if you're looking after other people's cryptocurrency. You need mm. to get your security. Like security is so so important, and we're going to be touching on um, uh, the ledger crypto seal <coughs> in a minute or so. But um, it just like the fact that it was just in a wallet that just had one private key. There was that was all that was required to get into it. And considering there was so much money stored on that wallet, you've it just does not look good. No, no, and, and I can guarantee you, if you had a half competent security. Uh, auditor, auditor, come in and look at that. They would have recommended you distribute that out a lot of uh, amongst a lot more wallets. Mm. Add some more security features. Multi-sig. Uh, you can't be running any kind of exchange and not have everything secured by multi-sig. And for those of you guys who don't know, don't know what multi-sig is, essentially it means that to take the money out of the wallet, you require more than one private key. So it actually needs. It's kind of like requiring more than one signature on a bank check before money can be drawn out of a bank account. It's the same thing. And it actually allows you – so a hacker could get one of the private keys but not be able to do anything with it because he doesn't have the other seven, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's really, you know, where they probably should have gone with this is if anyone wanted to withdraw it, like if it wasn't the user themselves uh, accessing it, then, yeah. It, it should have been stored in a multi-sig mm, wallet. Mm. So it just goes to show security is so important. And that brings mm. us on to the Ledger crypto steal. So this I only came across in the last couple of weeks, but you know many people have probably seen it before. But basically, it's a they're, they're saying it's the premier indestructible backup tool for optimal offline storage of your recovery phrase. So that 24-word recovery phrase that you're given for um, your wallet... Um, you can actually store in this metal case, which basically has a bunch of little shelves in it, uh, and it comes with a bunch of little letters. So you can slide all your, you can basically enter all the letters for your recovery words <coughs> on this piece of metal into the shelf in this little metal case, which is resistant to fire, water, shock, and wear, which is a really awesome idea. So it's they're saying that it will safeguard your 24 words for eternity whatever that is. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, really, really interesting idea. Have you taken a look at this? I have, mate. It looks really, really cool. Uh, I'd recommend everyone just go at least have a look at the photos because it looks it, it looks schmick. Like oh. it looks like something that you would just feel like an absolute boss pulling out of your pocket mm. and saying you wouldn't want to be storing it in your pocket, of course, but theoretically in, in, you know, in, a, in a theoretical world, you can pull <laughs> it out of your pocket and people would be really impressed. But... It's such a good idea because a lot of people store everything in paper and that's a really good strategy and we've recommended that before, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't account for a house fire Mm -hmm. or uh, hail breaking in through your window and the rain soaking everything Mm -hmm. or uh, just losing something somewhere as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. the paper's quite light too. Yep, yep. Um, And even pen wears off after a few years, you know? That's right, yeah. At the end of the day, you're using ink, aren't you? Whereas this is... This is non-indestructible so if you're storing even more than a few hundred dollars i think it'd be worth taking a serious look at mm-hmm. so i'm definitely debating getting a couple of these you know putting one burying what you know it'd be cool just to um store your funds on a on a ledger and then have this crypto steal buy a couple of them store them in different places to have your backup seat on um um you know different physical locations so you've got you've got it secure but it seems like a really awesome concept. Well, do you know what this whole crypto revolution is probably going to do more than anything else? It's going to revive the old treasure hunts because oh. you think about it, the amount of people now that are going to be storing all their private keys on these ledger crypto steals or anything else and just burying them somewhere with some map <laughs> to like, you know, walk six paces this way and then walk one kilometer that way and then dig, you know, two paces to the left of the white tree. It's, that sounds like fun, dude. Like, you know, yeah, mate, Pirate just, X you know. marks the spot. You know, that'd be sick. Yeah, I mean, if you imagine finding one of those maps, then you'd, you'd be oh, like going on a treasure hunt. Yeah. 
Well, I'm definitely thinking, you know, as far as like long-term security, I want to just like have somewhere in the middle of nowhere, you know, where you can just like dig a hole of, uh, like a half a meter deep, put it down and know that it doesn't matter what happens, you're the only one who knows it's there. Mm. That's a really cool idea. Mm. And speaking of, <laughs> speaking of, on the security topic, I was on the MyEtherWallet website the other day, and they've been improving it over the last last few months, and they've made it really good at telling you about security and the importance of security. So if you go to MyEtherWallet.com, um, and it will immediately prompt you with more information about security, and it's really well written, really well put together, just basically highlighting that, my Ether Wallet, which is, uh, if you haven't heard of it, it's a, it's a wallet for you to store your... It, it allows you to um, set up and manage your Ethereum wallet, um, but you hold all the data. They're just an interface for it. Um, mm. But they've, they've put together a really good guide on to help you both understand the blockchain and what that's all about, the importance of your private keys, um, yeah. The, there and also how how to get sec- more secure and how to securely access your funds and that's really important so if you if you're still new to the cryptocurrency stuff or even if you're not so new go to the my ether wallet website and just click through the um the light box that pops up overlaying the site really well done yeah i'm, I'm just reading through some of their sections on how to protect yourself from loss and it's it's really complete and it's really really good Mm. Look, they, they, you know, you can see quotes like this: "How to protect yourself from loss." Look, if you lose your private key or password, it's gone forever. Don't lose it. I'm quoting. Uh, make a backup of your private key and password. Do not just store it on your computer. Print it out on a piece of paper or save it on a USB drive. Store this paper or USB drive in a different physical location. A backup is not useful if it's destroyed by a fire or flood, along with your laptop. Don't store your private key in Dropbox, Google Drive, or other cloud storage. If that account's compromised, your funds will be stolen. And then they say, if you have more than one week's worth of pay of cryptocurrency, uh, worth of cryptocurrency, get a hardware wallet. No excuses. It's worth it. I promise. Mm. And that's really good Which is advice. quite good advice. That's really, really good advice. Mm. And look, you don't at that point, you don't have an excuse really either because a, a, a hardware wallet will probably only cost you about 10% of that one week's worth of pay, mm-hmm. give or take. Mm-hmm. And in two Dep- years, on- that one week's worth of pay is going to be worth a lot more. Not investment advice. but yeah. <laughs> You beat me to it. I was just hashtag. <laughs> 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 predictions on the crypto show. Security, man. I, you can't overstate enough how important it is. And I mm-hmm. think we've all grown up not really learning to value our online security at all. Like you don't get taught any of this at school. You use computers at school. You assume that everything's fine. Some administrators honor it. You use your own computer. You assume that Windows or Apple or Linux even, they all know what they're doing and they've secured it. Or if you've got like a Vast or some other virus protector or malware bytes Mm -hmm. or something, you assume that's enough. But the guys out there that are trying to hack this stuff are really, really good. And a lot of them have worked for companies that develop all this technology. So they, they know the ins and outs of it. You just you have to take it so much more seriously because it's mm. it's digital cash. Yeah. Like it's it's internet money and there's no coming back from losing it. That's it. Yeah. If you lose it, it's gone. So it's really worth getting into this security stuff really, really early, at least taking the basic steps. Mm. You know, get this get this hardware wallet, get a VPN, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you run malware scans every day, run virus scans every day, uh, quarantine your storage wallets away from your main computer. Mm-hmm. Put things in cold storage, have backups in different places. It's just mm-hmm. all that stuff, it might seem like too much, but these hackers... They they go after the lowest hanging fruit, mm. and they go after mm. people who don't take any extra steps. And mm. it's not that hard these days, especially with all the information around, to make yourself a lot harder to hack than yep. the average person. Mm. So just keep it as secure as you really want your money to be. So if you don't want your money to be at all secure, just just go ahead. Just don't even password protect it. In Do fact, just secure. send us your private keys. To be honest. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it's better it's better we have it than someone else, you know? Like <laughs> if you really want to give your money away, at least give it to us. So um yeah, thanks to all our regular listeners for tuning in. It's a pleasure having you here. And um yeah. It's good to, good to have you here. Feel free to join our Slack if you if you haven't before. Um we'd love to hear from you. Uh, yeah. If you'd like to be a part of the show, why not send us a voice recording? If it's under a minute long and in an MP3 or WAV file, we'll try our best to fit you into the show. Mm. Whether you're sharing news or a few facts about an industry, if it's an inter- interesting tidbit or even an observation, just send it in. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, email it to us at fomoshow at protonmail.com. You can drop it into a uh, direct message in Slack, or you can just um, yeah send it via carrier pigeon. Just just point it in the right direction. We'll, we'll get it. But don't send it on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, it'll take too long. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate. So I was so in the in the hype of all this BitConnect fail, and you had this um, class action lawsuit that's named a bunch of YouTubers, uh, including Crypto Nick, uh, YouTube seventeen year old YouTube millionaire. Um, so I was just checking out some of his old videos, um, and I was checking out one of his first videos back l- last year or 2016, uh, I think it was 2017, and he was, uh, the video, it wasn't related to BitConnect, but it was about Ethereum, and he was saying, like, the price of Ethereum at the time was $16, uh, Ethereum's now 900 and 900 mm. and he was saying, look, the price used to be $7, not a few months ago when I first got in, and now it's $16, and it's so much higher, and I don't want to buy anymore because I don't think it's worth 16 Now, you fast forward to today, so it's the beginning of 2018, and forget $16, it's now worth you know hundreds of dollars. How do you get around this whole fear that you've bought it really cheap and then the price went up and you you want to buy more? Do you buy more usually or do you just never buy any more because it's too expensive? Oh, look, I'd love to say I'd, I've, <laughs> I've never felt that, but I've um, I had that moment with Pivx oh, yeah. when it went up. I I really didn't want to buy any more because I kind of felt like I'd I'd got in cheap and then I. Um, you know, and then it went up, and it went up a fair bit, and I just didn't feel like it was worth that. I, I, well, I thought it was worth that amount. I actually thought it was worth more than that, but it was just the thought that I might, it might come back down, or I might get back in lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, yeah, there's something about knowing that you can get, you know, three hundred of something. You got three hundred of something at one price, but now you can only get a hundred and fifty of that mm-hmm. at the new price. It just, it does weird things to your head. Oh but, boy, yeah. Yeah, but you have to push through it. I think, like, I, I found, I just pushed. I pushed myself. I can't remember who I listened to, but someone else, uh, you know, recommended that you just you keep buying if you really believe in the project. You keep buying, and mm. and I've learnt that so true. I think I, I I bought some more Pivx not long after that, and it had gone up even more. And that's still made. That's still at least gone three or four times the value. And mm. I mean, we say a similar thing with EOS at the moment. It's 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 gone up quite significantly, but. I think it just comes down to whether you believe in the project yeah, and whether yeah. you feel like is there still room for more people to get mm-hmm. in. And mm-hmm. at the moment, the whole crypto market only has, you know, maybe one percent of the entire world's population in it. But I think mm-hmm. it's probably not even that. Even then, a lot of them have probably only invested quite minuscule Some of the, amounts. The big five as well. Yeah. 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 That's right. So it's there's still so much room for this to go. And if we if we really do think that this is going to be the way that people exchange value in mm-hmm. the future, then you're honestly looking at like, you know, at least four or five billion people using it at one mm. one point in, in time in the near future. So it's just really about telling yourself no there's still more value in this. Yeah, yeah. Still getting a good price. Well, that's. Do you know what that? Uh, that's why. Um, why? Like, what I was thinking about actually was EOS because you know the other when BitConnect failed in that big big week the other week where everything dropped. I bought in a bunch of stuff. Um, I bought some Cloak Coin, which we'd mentioned um, uh, in our privacy uh, episode, which is episode nine. 
I'd been mm. watching it and I was regretting I hadn't bought it just after we published. But uh, on that day when the, all the markets went red, I bought um, I bought Cloakcoin at you know twenty percent, thirty percent discount on the previous day. I was yeah. so stoked to that. I've already you know more than doubled it since then. But um, but yeah, with EOS, that was the thing because you know I bought my first EOS back in November, I think, and I I I, I think I bought about two hundred EOS or something. At a really good price. It was about $2.67 at the time, Australian. And, mm. and now, you know, yesterday I I bought a bunch more EOS, um, but I spent about the same amount of money, but I only got 24 EOS instead of 200, 200 EOS. <laughs> so it's the real FOMO because I'm buying the same thing for, for more money, but mm. at the same time, there's so much potential in it. Yeah, and that's and that's what you've got to look at. You because know, it's 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 like anything. People are only going to pay what something they feel like something is worth, and the reason people are now paying nine hundred dollars for Ethereum instead of sixteen is that people think that Ethereum is worth nine hundred dollars per mm. on Ethereum rather than sixteen. There's some projects out there that the the amount of material they're putting out, the way their development's going, the the the, the how communicative the team is. Mm -hmm. I really feel like they're quite undervalued and they've got a long way to go. Mm. But even big things, you know, like even even looking at Dash, like this Brisbane International Airport announcement, the Dash it said Bitcoin, Ethereum and Dash. That was like the third name off the rank. And thinking about it, I was like, yeah, well Dash makes sense because it's really quick. Mm. And it's really quick and it's made its name by being quick. And you know, you look at Dash and there's only 18 million. So I'll we'll um, be right back. I'm just buying some Dash. <laughs> Boy. But, and it's gone up a lot. Like, since I remember when I first got into crypto, it's, it's gone up a huge amount. But, you know, you're not seeing it in shops yet. You know, you're not seeing it in airports yet. But once all that starts happening, so many more people are going to be accessing the system and wanting to get themselves some Dash so they can start mm. using it in day to day life. So, yeah, I think wherever you can, if you really believe in a project and you think that it has significant value and it still has a long way to go in terms of adoption, mm -hmm. you should still be buying as things increase because you're still getting that at a very early level. Mm -hmm. you know, you, just because Amazon did really well in the early 2000s doesn't mean that people stopped buying Amazon stocks in 2006 or 2007. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, mm. They kept buying because they could see that this, you know, this small company was turning into a bigger mm. company mm. and then into a juggernaut, you know, and, and the guys that bought all the way up, you know, the guys that bought in, you know, 2000 and then bought all the way up to 2006 were still loving the gains on their 2006 stock as yeah. much as they were loving their earlier gains. Mm. Mm. It's true because it's only the things that you didn't do that you're going to regret when you die. Yeah. And yep. buying Tesla at the current share price, I'm not saying you should invest in Tesla, but I've been watching Tesla for years. I, I love that the whole thing that's going on there, but I haven't been buying it, and I've been watching it just grow and grow. And the thing is, on a big scale, Tesla is still tiny. Mm. And yeah, so I'm just going to buy in for the same reason because they're gonna they're gonna grow. They're going to change the world, in my personal opinion. And I need to be a part of that. So it's better to have some skin in the game than none at all. Get in. Get in, mate. Hey, will do. So this week's cool tool, um, interesting little site called cryptflix.com. So they've stolen the Netflix naming style and they've called it cryptflix.com. So I saw this on Reddit. I was on Reddit cryptocurrencies the other week. Uh, and the post was, for people like me with ADHD, this website is the best way to learn about crypto. I learned about the top 50 coins in less than, yeah, some nonsense. Anyway, um, a lot of the comments on the post were saying, oh, you're a shill, you're just trying to promote this website. Nevertheless, it's a really interesting <laughs> website. They've designed it just like the Netflix website. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes. But it's basically, they've put together, um, They, I think they've just compiled all the official videos from all these different coins and they've put them into one place. So you can just sort of, 
explore the top cryptocurrencies just through video, which for some people can be really, really, really useful. It looks cool, mate. It looks really cool. Um, there's one for Pivx there. You know, you've got yeah. Cardano, all the big coins. Dogecoin has one there. Yeah. So you can just sort of watch the videos there. Um, it's I'm not pretty... just cryptos, though, is it? There's there's like exchanges and platforms. Like you've got Steam in here. you got Binance. What else have we got? Particle. So if that you just want to watch a bunch of really cool cryptocurrency videos and you don't want to have to like browse YouTube or any of that, really, really interesting idea, cryptoflix.com. Jordan, we got you? Oh, hello. Yes, yes, Matt. You, uh, yes, yes. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here, mate. How you going? Oh, dude, um, I'll tell you what. It's been, a, it's been a rough ride the last few weeks, huh? You know, there's you know, one thing that leads to another. I'll tell you what, I'm still on the run. My wife is still looking for me. It's dangerous, huh? It's dangerous times. Right, so you did escape? Well, let's just say I got my way out of there. You know, I'm, I'm down a few, a few, like I've lost a lot of my cryptocurrency that I've been spending to get my way out. But you've got to pay good money to get out of horrible situations, huh? That's very true, Jordan. Very true. So, so where are you now? Oh, I'd rather not say again, just because, just for the security. You know, some of my listeners have been trying to get in touch with me and finding me as well. Uh, it's a bit awkward, huh? Um, you know, I'd rather not say, huh? Jordan, why have your listeners been trying to find you? Oh, it's a funny story, actually, Matt. Um, well, you remember BitConnect, right? Yes. Oh yeah, the the blatant scam that. It let a lot of people rip their friends and family off. Yeah, I've heard of that. Oh, well, Why? I don't know if I'd call it... Uh, well, uh, that's not to put a too fine a point on it. But yes, my, maybe it is a scam now. Huh? But uh, let's just... Uh, I, I was actually making a lot of income from the, uh, the affiliate side of BitConnect. And uh, I told, I got a lot of my listeners to sign up to BitConnect and put a lot of their savings in there. And uh, they've named me in a class action lawsuit. Uh, and I'm... I'm a bit worried, actually, because uh, I've actually lost my money as well. We've all lost our money together. You know, we're all in the same boat. You know, they may have put a lot more than I did, but, uh, you know, uh, we're all losing. Right, okay, but, it, it, Jordan, it should all be fine, shouldn't it? Uh, you've got the finest Venezuelan lawyers on the case, don't you? Look, Matt, um, I think we're just going to have to... I, I think I think we're just going to have to leave this, leave this one here. Uh, I'll get back to you on it. Okay, see you, Jordan. If you know someone who might enjoy this, um, please feel free to, to share this share, share the podcast with them. Um, you can find us at FOMO.show, um, and that website has got all the episodes and a few other articles and bits and pieces we've put in there. So our How to Buy Cryptocurrency page is there. We've got a How to Sell Cryptocurrency page that's coming up anytime. And, um, yeah, a great place to send your friends. Uh, I'll be expanding the site as we go. You can jump on our Slack at FOMO.show slash Slack. And you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore FOMO underscore show. You can follow us at Facebook at Facebook.com slash The FOMO Show. And YouTube, you can find us at FOMO.show slash YouTube. You can also find us on Steemit at Steemit.com slash at FOMO Show. Awesome. Well, that's it for us here at The FOMO Show. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, yeah, if you like our show, please subscribe in your podcast app of choice. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And as always, remember, no FOMO. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about uh, balls. I've got the notes wrong already. Hey! <laughs> um, hey! Hey, good work. Wait, I'm going to start that a little bit again. You can also find us on Steemit at steemit.com.
com slash FOMO show. Damn it. Oh, I didn't get to write anything for Jordan. Nah, that's fine, mate. Um, I, I just wrote that and just left it at that because <laughs> we can always just improv it, huh? Ooh. Mate, that was pretty good for completely impromptu. Mate, that that cough of yours sounds horrific. Uh, oh, man, you should have heard it a couple of days ago. Oh. I've not been this sick in a long time, man. And then, like, going out in minus 12 degrees temperature oh, and man. snowboarding around all day. I'm going to be so poor by the end of the month because I just want to <laughs> just want to jump on opportunities. But yeah, but mate, we can just go hang out at the Brisbane airport and pay for oh. things with our crypto, mate. Yeah, we should do it. Maybe we should uh, become buskers that are just in the little <laughs> airport town and have a little dash. We accept dash. We'll play tips. for dash. <laughs> mm.